We are straight-talking Southern girls in our 50s, and that's what you're going to get. Welcome to Ladies Roadmap. We're your hosts, Joe Jamie Tyler and Lana Helda. Come along for the ride and join us as we travel to bring you thought-provoking subjects and women who inspire and strive to make a difference in the world. So today we're recording this in June of 2018, and June has been dedicated as a mental health and brain month. So how perfect to have our expert today here to chat about how we can be proactive in keeping our brain healthy, Lana. So, Joe Jamie, I think it's really important that we talk a little bit about Alex's credentials since we're talking about health. And Alex is the founder of Nutrition Genome. He's also the creator of The Health Beat and the co-owner of Swanson Health Center. And for those of you who've listened to other episodes of Ladies Roadmap, we have our Ask Sherry Swanson. Well, Alex is Sherry's son. And he has taken this to the next level, basically. He's not only a sports nutritionist, but he specializes in genetic nutrition through the creation of his software, Genetrition. He has a master's in nutrition sciences from Bastyr University in Washington State and a master's degree in applied nutrition and business entrepreneurship from Northeastern University, as well as a certificate in the genetics and genomics from Stanford University. Welcome, Alex. Wow. Thank you guys so much for having me. I know. Well, that mom of his, we, you know, Alex, how much we love your mom. And I went to Sherry years ago when I was like 24 years old. And I was so influenced by her. I lived my life really by her every word, and and obviously she's influenced you. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've started in nutrition, I guess, since I was born. I mean, I was essentially, I think, kind of destined to work in this field, um, being brought to all of her lectures as a baby. Um, and she would tell stories, you know, that she'd give me an orange to work on for the hour, you know, while she gave a lecture. Instead of a lollipop. Instead of a lollipop, I got an orange, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, she has to be so proud that you're following in her footsteps, and you are doing an amazing job. And, you know, many people are not going to be familiar, Alex, with the nutrition genome and genetics testing. And I just thought maybe you could explain the epigenetics and nutrigenomics and uh, how it works. Sure. So the, the idea with genetic testing is it's through a saliva sample. So it's a cheek swab, and that's mailed to a lab. The lab then sequences and genotypes that saliva sample. So that's how you get the DNA. And with that comes back this kind of data file that has all this information on all of your genes. And what we do is we look at all of that data, and we make sense of it. And so we, we look at all of these different genes. We look at how it relates to different parts of the body. So digestion, hormones, heart health, brain health. And uh, we, we have this focus on nutrition and epigenetics. So what nutrigenomics is, is essentially how your body responds to diet and how your genes essentially respond to those foods. So we're all a little different in that sense. And we, we're this collection of our ancestors. We're over thousands of years, how our ancestors ate, where they lived, that's all basically accumulated to what we are now. And this kind of helps us show that history of that. That's it's so fascinating. So what, you know, here's the thing about this gene testing is that, you know, you're curious about it, but then what happens if you find out something bad about your past? Right. So 
what we really put an emphasis on with nutrition genome is removing the fear from genetic testing because for a while there was this idea that you know your genes are your destiny and so what we say is you know your genes are not your destiny they're your blueprint and once you understand the blueprint you know how to make changes and modifications and therefore reduce the risk of disease so to me there's nothing really fearful about it it's actually very empowering because now that you have this information you know what to do and you know how to take steps to essentially for you for your own biochemistry to be to be its healthiest yeah so breakdown like what kind of breakdown do you get from the test like what does it reveal about your sensitivities or or your proclivity to some some issue in health and then when you get that information then that's where you step in and teach people what they need to do to change that right so what we give people is a, a software report and it's broken down into eight sections so it's those sections like i talked about with digestion hormones brain health cardiovascular and it has genes for each section and it will show you the what they're called gene variants so these little changes in your genes that make you different from other people it actually shows okay you may have a higher need for folate so that would be uh broccoli romaine lettuce um you know, uh, strawberries, oranges have folate in them. So uh, another one would be choline. So choline is really high in eggs. And we have very different variations in our requirements of those foods. And that, again, points back to these migration routes of where we had a lot of these foods or we didn't have a lot of these foods, um, the environment that changed the availability of those foods. And so that's how we start to see why does one diet work for one person and not another? And it begins to explain why. So it's like you really then give people a roadmap to, to, to their health is what right. it is. And like you said, it's, it's the blueprint and then you give them the roadmap. Well, I have one other thing I wanted to say. There are so many topics related to nutrition and our genes. Um, so I think we need to have you back for a bunch of shows on specific topics if you'd be so not, so great to do it for us. But today I'm thinking since it's Mental Health and Brain Month, um, Angel Jamie and I are going to two Alzheimer's events this week. We're going to the Maria Shriver's event and we have, uh, we're interviewing the Alzheimer's of OC tomorrow. We wanted to know if you would kind of deep dive into what we can do, especially women, you know, that are 50 and over. Um, although, although from what I just heard, it's really something you need to start in your 30s and, and beyond, you know, and maybe even younger to keep our, our brains health and to keep, you know, to avoid this debilitating disease. Right. Yeah. Alzheimer's is a, a major passion of mine because I think there's a lot you can do to prevent it. I think we have a lot of amazing research available now that we didn't before. And uh, from a genetic standpoint, the main focus has been a gene called APOE. Um, that's the one that's in most of the literature, but there's a lot of other genes involved too that need to be looked at, but that's kind of the one that's received the most attention. And APOE is a gene that has to do with cholesterol, transportation and protection of the neurons, uh, removing toxins. So it's protecting the brain neurons, essentially. So when people have certain variants in this gene, they have reduced protection. Um, but this is also what's called a trade-off gene. And what that means is this APOE gene the genotype that it increases the risk of Alzheimer's in a certain genotype, it's a hunter-gatherer genotype. So what I mean by trade-off is it has a lot of positives as well. And a lot of these genes do. There's pros and there's cons. For APOE, it actually means higher bone density, better calcium and vitamin D absorption, 
um, lists uh, risk of infertility and miscarriages and viruses early in life. So it came from this hunter-gatherer background of being protective earlier in life because that was more important for survival. Now, you know, we don't have a lot of those threats early on that we did, and it's about longevity. And so for people with this, this genotype, they have to be more proactive in doing things to protect their brain um, to live a longer life. And there are a lot of things that you can do. And that's the amazing thing about this. Uh, and that's, we didn't get to talk about epigenetics, but that's what epigenetics is. It's to make a change upon our genes, to change the expression of these genes, to change the destiny of your health. You can do that. And in my opinion, from what I've seen, it can be broken down into a few things. The first is we know that two thirds of Alzheimer's patients are women. We know there's an, a hormone connection. Um, we know that there is a choline connection, which helps memory. We know that certain drugs that block choline actually increase cognitive decline. Okay, can you hold on one second? I, sure. I'm not quite clear what choline is. So choline is a, uh, a nutrient that is uh, a water-soluble nutrient, so it's like the B vitamin family. And choline is a precursor to a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is crucial for memory. And choline is found highest in egg yolks, in organ meats, and in wild meat, actually, and fish eggs. So what foods have we removed a lot of for the last past decades? <laughs> we started eating egg whites. We stopped eating organ meats. The chicken thigh is actually higher in choline than the breast. It has very little in chicken breast. We started eating chicken breast more. And so we removed all this choline from our diet for decades, first based on these guidelines on false information. And so I think we've been starving our brain of choline. Interesting. And what about and going back to the organ, organ meats and, um, and some of the other uh, foods you talked about? Mm -hmm. tell, tell people how, you know, it's still important to get these foods, but then if you would tell them, there, you also though have to pay attention where these people, where these foods are coming from. Absolutely. So eggs, for example, it's a great example of two different eggs. So you have pastured eggs, and that means that the chickens are essentially out in the pasture eating bugs and and picking through the grass. They're not just eating grain versus grain-fed eggs, where they're just basically in a pen eating grain, and that can change the profile dramatically of the eggs. Um, the omega three, the anti-inflammatory and omega-6 pro-inflammatory, um, it can change up to 19 times differently between those two eggs. So when we talk about Alzheimer's, we have to think inflammation. That's a big part of Alzheimer's uh, progression is inflammation. So all of these things that are anti-inflammatory are going to be ben beneficial for preserving the brain. Well, and since we're there now, why don't you go ahead and tell us some of the other foods that we should be eating and sure. the things we should be avoiding? So for, for Alzheimer's disease or just brain protection in general, brain prevention, it's all about blood sugar. Um, so they've called it type three diabetes um, in the past. And so that's because it's very inflammatory, it's a very inflammatory process to have high blood sugar. So for your diet, that's kind of where the nutrition genome report is really helpful because it shows you your protein, fat, carbohydrate metabolism. It's because it's gonna change per person. What foods work for one really don't work for another. For the APOE E4E4 genotype that increases that risk, since they're kind of a hunter-gatherer genotype, they really benefit from these kind of shades of a hunter-gatherer-like diet. So no dairy, um, very low grain, very you know, flour-based foods. So your breads, crackers, cookies, cake, things like that. All of those foods really spike blood sugar. And these people seem to be more sensitive to that.
Yeah, I was just thinking how I'd be scared to death to find that out about myself. (laughs) Well, I I just wonder, I mean, I just wonder, Alex, you know, does it typically when something like that is what you're, say you go into the kitchen and that's something you want, you, you go to mm-hmm. as your, as your go-to food because you, you're hungry all of a sudden, you just want a bite of something. Does that ever, is that ever a, a predicator of the fact that maybe you shouldn't be having it because you do want it? <laughs> I wonder sometimes. <laughs> I think uh, there are certain things that we crave that could be good and certain things that we crave because our blood sugar is low or we're stressed. And when that happens, when we get stressed or we have low blood sugar, we look for something that's our brain is essentially looking for sugar because it's trying to get itself back up. And that's why we kind of crave that. It's also when our serotonin, which is our, our good feeling hormone, when that gets beat down, sugar kind of lifts it back up, but it crashes it again, right? It gets you in a cycle. And so our brain is really, it's, it's smart in that sense where it's trying to be like, okay, this will make me feel better now, but I'm going to pay the consequence a little later. So what would you rate as maybe the top five foods to eat for brain health? So I would say um, that would be foods high in choline. It would be foods high in folate because those are the two really the biggest, most important nutrients in terms of genetics are those two of how much they do. Remind Uh, us again what those uh would be. Give us a few examples of food for the ladies out there listening. So choline would, egg yolks would be your big one. Um, And that would be chicken thighs versus chicken breasts. Um, if you can if you like liver, liver is extremely high in choline, but there are other foods you can get it from. Um, also nuts like pistachios, almonds, peanuts. Those also have uh, smaller amounts of choline in them. And then there'd be folate. So folate would be broccoli, romaine, lettuce. Um, it would be, uh, spinach is a great, yeah, great source as well. Um, certain fruits like oranges have folate in them. Um, liver is another one actually that has folate in it. Um, and the next one would be polyphenols. So that is a compound in your bright berries. So all of the berries are amazing for brain health. They actually benefit the APOE gene. They actually help that gene out. Um, so that would be a huge one. The fourth thing I would say, one of the easiest things I think people can do is waiting 12 to 13 hours from dinner to breakfast. So fat that again kind of goes back to this idea that if it's this hunter gatherer genotype, they have a lot of fasting times and that repairs a ton in your body when you give it over 12 hours from, from dinner to breakfast. That's a huge deal. And of course, sleep. You know, um, that's something that we have been hearing a lot over well, we and over. we did a show. Yeah, we did sure. a show on mm-hmm. it with your mom. And just to remind everybody exactly what that means, it's basically when you go to bed, what, your last meal of the day, let's just say it's at seven o'clock or eight o'clock. You need to wait 12 to 14 hours till you eat your next, your breakfast. So I guess it's so funny everybody says breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but it sounds like now you better make sure you've been 12 or 14 hours before you have that breakfast. Well, I think the main thing is you don't want to be eating late at night. I mean, that's really the key is you need to have your dinner on the earlier side and then not snack anymore. And I think that's what most people do. They sit at home after they've had their dinner and they keep going back to the refrigerator and going back for more. And that's a habit that's not a good, not a good habit for not only your brain, but for your waistline as well, I think. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I like that you brought up sleep. What do you think um, is the, what are they saying? Are, are they saying it's like, what, seven and a half hours of sleep minimum? Yeah, I would say seven, eight and a half is really the, the, the amount of sleep you want to get per night. So much repair 
happens during that time. And so if you have, yeah, that high blood sugar at night and you're not sleeping well, your body's really never repairing. Mm. It never has a chance to really kind of clean itself and repair itself. And so it's a huge deal. Um, I think it should be a big priority. All right. I would like to, you know, address that sleep because that's an area that I've always struggled with. So do you have any suggestions for someone like myself that, you know, I'll try to go to bed and then I'll, I get to sleep pretty quickly. I wake up in the middle of the night for maybe an hour or two. And then I definitely don't sleep in. I can't sleep in in the morning. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it, there's a lot of things going on for different people of what causes you to wake up. For example, some people have trouble falling asleep and then once they're asleep, they're okay. Or other people wake up and that has to do with hormones. You know, it can have to do with hormone changes. Um, it can have to do with stress. You know, if your mind is working on something, it will wake you up and your cortisol is kind of going through the night. So that's where you want to make sure, yeah, you're not eating too late. You're not exercising too late. Um, and you're not mentally doing anything too late. You if go. you pass that 10 o'clock mark, if you start ramping up again, you'll have a really hard time staying asleep. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, and then, then they're really talking about how exercise is so important. And what I saw the other day is it's not just, well, walking is great, but that you need a few days a week of something that's really, as I say, blast your body, you know, something that really pushes you, you really sweat, you really get that, that, uh, those serotonins, is it the serotonins or the endorphins that mm -hmm. get going? Yeah. And so I guess what I was talking about before what we just mentioned was talking about longevity cultures. What do they do? Um, cause that's always a great lesson in terms of what are making people live over a hundred and why are there large groups of these people live in 100, um, as outlined in the blue zones, it's a book uh, called the blue zones. So, uh, what they found is they do a ton of movement and activities throughout the day. So they're not sedentary and that's really our problem. So if we sit all day long, and then we do 30 minutes of something really hard. That does not really equivalent. Yeah, no, I actually did hear that, that the biggest reason is that we're just so sedentary during the day and exactly what you were saying. Um, so I, I did hear a neurologist, you brought this up a little bit briefly, but I kind of wanted to expand on it. I did hear a neurologist the other day speaking and saying that some of the more recent studies, they're really digging into the women's brains and finding that there is this link between menopause and Alzheimer's. And like I said, you talked about it a little bit, but can you go into maybe a little bit more detail about that? Sure. So they not only found that in menopause, but they found that, you know, when women um, have their ovaries removed, they, I think it's, they double their risk of Alzheimer's disease. <gasps> and thus they're doing hormone therapy, which can help offset that. So it's, it's, this is how it kind of works. So estrogen is an antioxidant on its own, meaning it protects the body from inflammation and it's neuroprotective. So it protects the neurons, the brain neurons. When women get stressed, it eats up your hormones. So it's essentially, it's competing to make those hormones. And so cortisol is competing from and robbing from estrogen, robbing from progesterone. You go through menopause, estrogen drops off. So that protection is already a little lower. So that's why that chronic stress post-menopause is so damaging. It's because the body doesn't have the ability to really keep up with it as well. And so what you can do, the positive is, there are a lot of things you can do to boost estrogen naturally. And those are foods that are high in phytoestrogens. These are foods that actually act like estrogen in the body. Flax seeds are one of the best examples of those. Um, hops, actually what's used in beer, yeah. um, are one of the most potent phytoestrogens known. And how do we take that? So you can get that in a tea. Um, or if you like beer, an IPA beer has really high hop 
uh, content and it's actually been found to increase bone density. And the reason is because of that phytoestrogen. So that's why bone density goes down too. Is it, there's a huge estrogen connection there. But then I get fat, right? If I drink a lot of beer. Not too <laughs> I much, yeah. <laughs> I probably better stick to the flags. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's really good to know. I, yeah. As a matter of fact, your mother mentioned a hops tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, hops tea and ground flaxseed every day would be a great. Uh, yeah. Um, we, ladies, we got to write that one down. We're going to have all these notes in our show notes, by the way. Which you can find at ladiesroadmap.com. It's all such important information. Is there any, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. Um, There's so many new products with mushrooms now, and Mm -hmm. I'm actually taking cordyceps and I have this other stuff and I take the ashwagandha as well. What are your thoughts on mushrooms and how important is this? I think they're really important. Um, I think, you know, cordyceps, uh, chaga, lion's mane, reishi, um, those are all really incredible mushrooms. Mayataki is another one. So they all really help the immune system. They uh, are anti- have anti-cancer effects. They have adaptogenic effects, which means they help your body adapt to stress, uh, which is a big deal now, and adapt to uh, biological stress, so even um, or chemical stress. Anything that stresses our body, it helps us adapt to. And they've uh, lion's mane especially is one that's connected to helping memory. Um, now, so when you're, now we're talking about mushrooms. Um, these are all exotic types of mushrooms. What about a, just a generic brown mushroom or a white mushroom? We could roast it, put it in a salad. Uh, is that similar or do we need to have these exotic ones? And most of them are found in, you know, powders or uh, how do you take your mushroom? So, yeah, these are, we call, are called medicinal mushrooms. Um, and medicinal mushrooms are typically in a powder or capsule. They're a little harder to find in our markets. If you went to more, you know, exotic markets in different countries, you'd probably be able to find them. I've seen lion's mane in, in, and actually lion's mane tastes really good. Actually has like a seafood taste. Shiitake would be another one that you can buy, um, and, and cook with. I think all the mushrooms are beneficial, but these medicinal mushrooms are the ones that have these special properties like anti-cancer, immune boosting, all of these types of activities. So is there a, a brand or anything we should look for? Because I know, in, as in a lot of foods, just because it's a mushroom doesn't mean it's great. I mean, if it needs to have certain properties and also not have certain pesticides right. and whatnot. Yeah, so you, what you want to look for with the medicinal mushrooms is one that's a, it's called a hot water extract. Um, just the ground mushroom doesn't really have as much of the potent properties. So a hot water means it's like a tea you know, that they've, they've concentrated the compounds. Um, Mushroom Science and uh, Fungi Perfecti are, are two really good companies. Uh, Paul Stamets is, is one of the most knowledgeable people on the planet with mushrooms. That's his company's Fungi Perfecti. So yeah, you do want to be careful of, of where you're choosing these. Organic is important as well. Because I have a question for you. I Because it was, it was really a problem for me. It's a company that um, I won't say their name online because I think they're doing really well and it works for many people. But I drank a tea that was a mushroom tea that's very popular right now. And I broke out in hives all over my body and it took two oh, wow. weeks for them to go away. And I actually called the company and I said, hey guys, I, you know, I know your product is great and I'm not complaining, but this happened. And she said, oh no, we, we, we test for this. We test for mold. We test for aflatoxin. So I haven't drank that tea again, but I wondered why that would happen. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'd have to look what was in that 
And yeah. it cause that kind of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so you can get a reaction from anything. Cause I'm not yeah. an allergen person. I'm not allergic to really anything except right. penicillin. So that's why I thought maybe it had to do with mold. But anyway, I digress, be. but I digress, but I think it's important to know that you do need to get, because otherwise you're just throwing your money away. If you just go buy something just because it says it's a reishi mushroom and it really doesn't have the qualities that you right. need. Yeah. Well, this has been actually the most eye-opening show I think we've ever done. It is certainly um, helpful to all of us women, especially those of us that have gone through menopause to hear these things. And I would think it would be very interesting to get tested for this. Oh, I'm, I've been telling Alex, and I'm sorry, Alex, I've just been dragging my feet, maybe because I secretly don't want to know some things, but I'm definitely, <laughs> actually, as soon as we hang up with on this, I'm going to sign up and get your genome. So, and ladies, anyone that's interested, I'm going to let Alex tell you a little bit about his uh, genome company and how to get in touch with him or how to order it. Yes, yeah, so you can just go to nutritiongenome.com and that's where you can order the DNA kit. It's shipped right to your house. Um, we have a, a pre-paid um, envelope inside. You just put your sample in, drop it off at the mailbox, and within five weeks, you receive your uh, results. And that's sent by uh, an email letting you know it's ready. You can log into the website, download your report. We also have a list of practitioners that we recommend if you want to go a little deeper with the results. Um, which a lot of people do. And it's really helpful to line up with your family history, your personal health history and blood work, and then the genetics. I mean, that really kind of shows you everything. And then if, say, if I get something back, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I have um, your mother here in town, but if I got something back and I really felt like I did need you, I know you said practitioners, so you can tell people maybe nutritionist or someone in their area that they could work with. Exactly. Yeah, we, we're expanding that, that list every month. Um, so we're trying to get one in every state and every city um, because we get a lot of requests. Great. Well, I don't think there's anything more important than finding out how we can prevent disease and also just make ourselves feel better every day through our health and nutrition. So we are so grateful to you for coming on. It's oh. been a wealth of information. And will you please come on and talk about another subject one day? Of course. Be happy to. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. How are you too? One more thing before we go. Ladies, do you have friends or family that have never listened to a podcast, don't know what one is, and certainly need help downloading? So Jamie's put together a fabulous quick tutorial on our website explaining what a podcast is and how to download. Just go to our website, ladiesroadmap.com, and go to the podcast page, and it's right at the top. Thank you for spreading the word about Ladies Roadmap. Thank you for listening to Ladies Roadmap. We'd like to give a shout out to our amazing music producer, Cam Tyler at litloops.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Just go to www.ladiesroadmap.com and click on podcast. It's as easy as that. Or you can subscribe on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ladies Roadmap. And you know what else? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at info at ladiesroadmap.com. And until next week, remember, the greatest part of a road trip isn't arriving at your destination. It's all the wild stuff that happens in between. <laughs> <laughs>